You're listening to What's Up Social Media, a review of last week's happenings in the social media world with some Trini seasoning. And now, here's your host, Keisha Lewis. Hello and welcome back. What a week. Getting money for your birthday takes on a whole new meaning. While all the platforms are doing all kinds of gymnastics, trying to find new ways to make money. Let's get started. And welcome to our newest segment, What's Up for Discussion. This week, we're going to talk about one of the biggest debates going on right now in marketing circles. That's Messenger Chatbots versus Email. Will Messenger Chatbots finally replace email? I'm going to present to you the arguments outlined in a Social Media Today article and then present to you two case studies, one of email being done really well and the other of Messenger Chatbots being used really well, almost exclusively. So there will be two extreme cases of one versus the other. Now the title of the Social Media Today article is Chatbots versus Email, Marketing's Newest Rivalry. And it opens with this quote. With the rising usage of bots, some have suggested that email may be finished. But is that an accurate assessment? Are chatbots really ready? to make email marketing a thing of the past, unquote. It's been estimated that about 300,000 chatbots are now active on Facebook Messenger alone, and they are being effectively used for marketing and sales functions. Now, for those of us that don't know, what is a chatbot? You know when you go into some website and, or you go on some brand's messenger, and you send a message and you get an automated response. Something as simple as an away message like, um, we can't get back to you right now, but we will in a few as soon as possible. Or you ask a specific question and you get back, say, an article link or, or whatever. That's a chatbot, essentially. It's a system of automated replies based on specific responses from the customer, client, prospect, etc. That so you are essentially having a conversation with a with artificial intelligence. So the article outlined some of the strengths of each feature, each tool, and I'll just provide it here. So what are the strengths of Messenger chatbots? Well, firstly, messages sent via bots have much higher open and click-through rates. What does that mean? Open rate would be they actually open the message and presumably read it. And click-through is if you put a link in it, they would, or they, you put a call to action in it, they would respond accordingly. If there's a link, they would click on the link and follow the link. Or if you say the reply or some action that you ask for and they would actually do that action. So that's your open and click-through rate. Click-through rates also known as CTRs. 
Um, for bots, the CTR is 15 to 60 percent, has a range of 15 to 60 percent. For email, they have an average of 4 percent. So for every 100 emails, four people will open it on whatever links provided. Um, for bots, for every 100, you can have as much as 60 people opening and acting on the message sent. So that's one strength. Another strength is that customer interaction with bots provides the data needed for marketers to deliver a more personalized experience. This would have then, of course, produced even higher CTRs and so on. So it's like a positive feedback loop. Another strength is that prospects that continue to interact with the chatbot are highly engaged. It may be because there's a real interest in the service being offered. Instant messages are the main way people communicate now. So chatbots allow you to provide immediate feedback to prospects. And the last strength listed here is that due to instant feedback and rapid provision of marketing data, chatbots are an ideal tool for creating awareness of time-sensitive events or deals. So for example, if you have a sale, a messenger chatbot would be a great way to let people know about it. And now let's look at email. So one of the first strengths of email is the demographic. Now the majority of people over 55 do not have mobile as their primary device and therefore are not as into instant messaging. Right? This is also the generation that's accustomed to email. So if your demographic falls within that age range, email is still the way to go. Another strength is that it is the only truly open platform. Anyone on the internet has an email address. It is their key identifier. So it makes it easier to find an audience. Not everyone is on Facebook or Instagram or so on. But you can almost guarantee that once the person's on the internet, they have an email address. Another strength is that email is far more simple to manage. It does not require as much front work as needed to build a bot, um, because that would include things like picking the platform to work on, evaluating potential reach, technical limitations, and demographics of the platforms chosen. Um, with email, you just have to account for different screen sizes when you're setting it up. That's basically it. Another strength is that email is easy to share. Just press the forward button. Quote, just give your readers a reason to share, like an awesome deal, and you easily expand your reach. Unquote. And for the last strength listed here, I'll quote the article again. Quote, Despite its age, email is rising again as a key editorial platform among young people, unquote. So that's interesting. Editorial platform means newsletters, sharing links, sharing um, longer text, you know, things like that. Now, from that, I hope you would get the idea that there's no one-size-fits-all answer. We are not at the point yet where we could say definitely email is gone, it's dead, bury it, sing the song, plant the flowers. 
we can't say that yet right um at the same time we can't say that messenger chatbots are a fad and it's gonna go the way of the dinosaur you know with the latest blue with his gold dresser right it's here to stay and it's continuing to grow will it one day replace email maybe but to me personally just my personal opinion our messenger chatbots have a very specific role have a very specific capability and i think that no matter how much it grows it's going to stay within that capability as well as email i think what will happen is that email will become even more focused so for example the fact that it's shifting into being an editorial platform especially among young people that could be a direction that email is going so if i'm a small business like and i can only focus my energies on one strategy for now which one should i choose well let's look at what kinds of brands should focus on what so for whom would email be a better fit it would be brands whose audience skews older um brands who want as big a reach as possible and those that want to push out longer form content like essays and newsletters etc um those brands if you had to choose choose email start with that note however that little problem with low ctrs low click through rates so you're gonna have an audience that not, that's not gonna be highly engaged all right um so be very aware of that if you're going to focus on email for your marketing be creative think outside the box go all out in order to get your click-through rates to go up and you'll see in the case study that i bring up soon that you really can there really is no major boundary as to what kinds of things you can try to make your email marketing attractive and ensure that they would look for your email and open that as a priority now let's look at those brands for whom chatbots would be a better fit these would be brands with younger audiences of course and any startups that can benefit from that immediate feedback that you get with a chatbot right because it then allows you to adjust your messaging you know from moment to moment um e-commerce businesses yeah chatbots all the way because that interactivity is going to benefit you big time in fact the case study that i'll be talking about actually is an e-commerce business and they have gone all out with messenger chatbots there are also creative ways in which you can combine the two so you're at a stage where you can use both and you can now focus your energy on both but you don't have to do it in a separate parallel way you can integrate the two so i will I'll give you two quotes from the article that outlines two ways in which you can integrate the use of email and chatbots into your marketing so the first um, suggestion quote you can take advantage of emails big reach and audience by promoting your chatbot in your newsletter 
highlighting its unique benefits and encouraging users to sign up, unquote. So that's one way you can do it. Another way, quote, you might also consider nurturing leads via email by providing readers with resources to help them make a purchase decision using your chatbot to answer any remaining questions they have and close in on a sale, unquote. So there's another way you can integrate the two. Right? And that's basically the article and that's basically what was presented. And now for our case studies. So our first case study is an example of a very effective use of email marketing that's being done by Ryan Reynolds. Those of you who um, are familiar with the name, you'd know that he's an actor, he's an A-list actor, who is currently known for portraying Deadpool. And he is um, the owner of a company, well, the majority owner of a company that produces gin called Aviation Gin. Now, this is such a wonderful example. How does it work? Well, he's promoting this email address called Ryan, capital R, Ryan at AviationGin.com, capital A for Aviation, capital G for Gin. And he's inviting people to send emails to him. And they get a triple O email response. What does that mean? It's an out-of-office email response from him. So he doesn't even have to be there. Now note, this is an interesting take on what messenger chatbots do, if you notice. In that you're getting an automated response via email. So... Yeah, it's, it's kind of genius. Anyway, so I'm, I'm quoting the VRSM article about this strategy. Quote, Ryan's emails are so popular, they have not only helped capture consumers' attention, they have also driven the interest of many retailers and restaurants looking to carry the gin. Unquote. So in this time that email open rates are so low, what is his secret to success? Andrew T. Chrysomalis, yeah, interesting name, CEO of Davos Brands, which is Aviation Gin's parent company, as quoted in the VRSM article, quote, great marketing is simple. The best marketing is also real and personal. Ryan's triple O emails are just that, and vintage him. Self-aware, super clever, and of the moment. Note, simple, real, personal, vintage you. So when you're doing your emails, keep that in mind. So here's a snippet from one of Ryan Reynolds' triple O emails, as quoted from the VRSM article. This was February 2018. Quote, Thank you for your email and interest in Aviation American Gym. I'm away from my desk at the moment, but will respond the moment they give me a desk. Unquote. Now that is so adorable. Of course, this is him. He's a very sarcastic, kind of cheeky person. Alright, now of course, snarky and cheeky would not work with every brand, but that's not the point. Whatever represents who you are. Okay? I mean, I think 
I mean, you're not going to go out of your way to be boring. But know who you're talking to. Know who your audience is. Know what your brand is. And keep it simple. I hope the point you also get from this is that, unlike messenger bots, with email marketing, it does require you to put in a lot more work from the perspective of creativity and doing things to grab your audience's attention. So, yes, you're saving time because email is relatively simple to set up. But that same time you're saving has to now be invested into, okay, I need to get really creative here. I need to find a way to really catch my audience's attention and really become that newsletter, become that email that my audience looks forward to. Now, this was my email. Good morning. I am emailing you with interest to learn more about this gin that you are promoting. Given that rum and punchin are the drinks of choice in my country, brackets Trinidad and Tobago, I am quite curious about what is so great about this gin. Cheers, Keisha. This was the response received about one minute later. I mean, oh gosh, they do stick. Quote, Thank you for your interest in Aviation American Gin. You've reached my out-of-office mission statement. As owner of Aviation Gin, my mission is to never speak to you like some out-of-touch Hollywood a-hole. My job is to remain accountable, down-to-earth, hard-working. Why is Aviation the best damn gin on the planet? What sets it apart from other gins on the market? Do people who ask and then answer their own questions have an above-average IQ? Probably. Most of the time, experts describe aviation in pompous, flowery terms, which alienate the average, hard-working gin drinker. I've heard them wax poetic about its restrained notes of juniper. Others have said it's the subtle lavender and wet boreal forest earth notes which make it so whimsical. Who talks like that? A blowhard, that's who. I promise, gentle customer, you won't hear garbage like that from me. I'll tell you why I like aviation. Because it tastes like somebody finally made a gin for everyone. I don't need some fancy forensic gin juggler to tell me why I like something. Just keep it simple. And real happiness is about simplicity. After a long hour at work, I like to get home, kick my slippers off, and watch my wild dolphin, Jasper Barnaby, swim in the moat. There's nothing more relaxing than observing a wild dolphin at play in one's backyard. My personal vocal coach, Lyndon, once said that watching the sunset on my estate is the closest he's ever come to God. I believe him. For me, life isn't just about having my brain cryogenically frozen so I can be revived 200 years after the apocalypse to dance with the chosen few along the gilded path to Valhalla. It's also probably about other stuff. Thoughtfully, Ryan Reynolds. Do with it as you will. Um, to me, it's as a really 
perfect example of being true to yourself and letting that tie into what your brand is about. Alright? Um, notice it's not, buy my gin. My gin has this. It tastes really good. Put pictures of happy people drinking my gin. It's not that. It's, it's him being him and using that to create interest and attention. Right? So now you have a situation where people are actively going out to send an email to this company via Ryan Reynolds and are looking forward to an email back from, from him, even if it's an out-of-office email. Now, the other case study looks at a successful use of Messenger, so much so that they totally replaced email. Okay, they, they don't use email in certain areas. This case study comes from a Forbes.com article, and its title is, This Fashion Executive Replaced Email with Mobile Messaging. And the person that they spoke to, it was an interview-style article with Anna Petas, who's the Vice President of Strategic Operations, Global Member Services at Textile Fashion Group. And what is Textile Fashion Group? This is the parent company to Just Fab, Shoe Dazzle, Fabletics, Fab Kids, and Rihanna's new Savage X Fenty. Now to quote Forbes, Textile was founded in 2010 as a platform to build digitally native and direct-to-consumer brands for today's modern shoppers, unquote. Now, they started testing Facebook Messenger as a support channel in early 2017. And at the time, they used both humans and bots. Now, at the time, also, their purpose was to deflect incoming communications from traditional channels, say voice and chat. Um, but now, they're making the shift to a combination of deflection and service. Quoting Anna Petters in the article, quote, the program is now evolving into an all-inclusive channel for customers. We are also actively exploring returns and exchange capabilities, marketing opportunities and upsells for 2018, all powered by artificial intelligence, AI, and natural language understanding, unquote. Now, they operate their customer care channels using just social, voice, and chat. Email as a service in North America was discontinued in early 2017. So, for this company in North America, email is dead. Right? So, this is the other extreme. As quoted in the Forbes article again, Quote, when some people hear that we discontinued email, they think we're insane. But we know we are only building ourselves up for the future evolution of service. But what I saw in North America was that our consumers were evolving, and so were their channels of choice. TechStyle has chosen to evolve the service side of our business to support this new behavior and new opportunity. Unquote. Now, according to Ms. Petters in this interview, there are many benefits to using Messenger for customer service. I'll just quote her in one respect. For Messenger specifically, once you have an engaged audience, 
on this channel, the opportunities are endless. So, unquote. So, essentially, having messenger chatbots, once you have it set up and it's, you know, you get that audience, the range of things that you can do with that chatbot is very broad. You don't have to be stuck in one direction. You can give a service, you can promote, you can, you know, you can interact, you can get feedback, you name it. One of the major, major advantages to Messenger bots is that you're able to reach large numbers of customers at the same time while still providing individualized service and information that is specific to the customer in question. Now, the flip side is, as she herself said, if you're going to be using Facebook Messenger chat or any other similar chatbot experience, is that you have to be patient. It took them, a huge company like Textile, with all the resources and technology available to them, it took them a year to bring their messenger bot up to the point where it can function at a robust level. So you're looking at a year of tweaking and shifting and modifying and trying and experimenting and trying this and getting rid of that, etc. So it's a lot longer in terms of the setup. If you want to do it right, it takes a while. Right now, of course, if you're a small business, you don't have to do a big fancy messenger chatbot. You keep it straightforward. You start with these little automated replies that are provided on Facebook. Or even you know, even WhatsApp has the little automated replies, little away messages and so on. So you can start from there and build. Alright? Um, but yeah, that is one of the um, major um, costs of using messenger bots. You have to be patient. And you have to be aware that it takes a time, it takes a while to set things up. Um, and that's that's basically the two. Um, so I hope all, with all of my ranting and talking and uh, I hope this discussion was of help to you. If you have your own opinion on this, let me know. Send out you can if you're on anchor.fm, you can send a voicemail through anchor.fm. What do you think? Do you think email is on its way out? Do you think the cost of using a messenger bot outweighs the benefits? Do you think the cost of creativity that's required of you um, in using email outweighs its benefits? Let me know. And that's it for our discussion this week. So let's begin with our major updates this week. We have several. But firstly, Facebook story highlights are now available on our profiles. They've rolled out an archive tool for Facebook stories that's similar to the one in Instagram. It's called a story highlights and it allows users to reuse their Facebook stories and show up their best stories directly on their profile for an indefinite period of time. So yeah, it's essentially a repeat of what's on Instagram. Uh, I guess they're still pushing with stories, they're really believing in it. Honestly, I am starting to see more and more people using stories on Facebook, so I guess the um, bet is, it seems to be panning out for them. So next update, Instagram polls in private direct messages. 
So just like your public Instagram stories polls, you can now do a poll. You go into your normal story tool and you create your story, you put your poll. But now what you see is uh, an option to send to specified friends. So you don't have to put it on your public story. You can send it to specific people. And once you send it to those people, they will be able to give their answer as well as see the results. So this is not for public view. This is just for specific friends on Instagram. Right? So that's the other update. Next update. New option added to Facebook events. So you know Facebook events. You go into your Facebook um, profile. You want to um, set up an event. You go in, you type up what the event is, what date, time, have a discussion, other details. But now you can add even more detail to it. You can now provide a timed schedule. So what does that mean? Well, for example, if you're running a music event, you can now list the times of performance slots, both support and main artists. So, you know, you have your, okay, this artist number one will be performing from 8 to 8.30, then from 8.30 to 9, etc., etc., etc. I'll be honest, when I saw this, I thought, yeah, that's, I don't see, well, I know it definitely would not work for a pet. I don't know, maybe? Um, because, you know, here in Trinidad, we, we go with the flow. So, and it's all kind of craziness that's happening and all kind of drama. Um, so I don't know if music events locally would use something like this. Um, but other things like, for example, you have a seminar or you have, uh, uh some other interesting event and you have your agenda already set out, you can put it up for people to see. Um, of course, yes, you might have some people thinking, okay, well, then I could come in an hour late because that's what I want to be there for. But you can gauge whether this can work for you or not, right? So that's the other updates. Next one. Yeah, we must stick in plenty of updates this week. Next one. LinkedIn announces new features for Sales Navigator. Um, now, this one is a little complicated. This one is mostly for B2B, business-to-business people. Um, but I'll just outline what's, what is available. So Sales Navigator, that's a tool that LinkedIn provides for primarily salespeople, especially, as I said before, B2B salespeople. And to quote them, the purpose is to, quote, help sales teams expand their existing customer relationships, gain new business, and maximize their sales productivity. Okay, cool. So what are some of the features? Well, some of them include uh, the buyer circle, which helps reps and sales managers ensure that all persons involved in the B2B process are counted for. So you have your various agents, you have your sales managers, etc. You make sure that everybody is, is included in the process. You can access their contact information, etc. Um, another uh, uh, feature is integration with, uh, integration with Office 365. Um, that one would manifest in terms of the use of Outlook, email Outlook um, service, where you can access information about your contacts within the Outlook framework. 
So while you are sending emails, composing, reading, etc., you see a contact, you can access their information as provided in LinkedIn right there. You don't have to stop going to LinkedIn and say, okay, what is this person? All right, you can stay within Outlook and access that information one time. Um, search redesign is another feature. Um, they're saying more prominent account search and lead search as well as streamlined search filters. So you can save your searches, right? Um, and of course, as with a lot of things, mobile redesign. And one little um, interesting aspect of the redesign is that they've included Adobe Sign features. Now the article did not go into major detail with that, but I would basically, I would think if you're looking at Adobe Sign, you're looking at being able to make signatures, send signatures while on the go via your phone. Um, so to, to B2B, a B2B person, a salesperson, that's gold, okay? You can get the person to act right there, um, you know, give their assent, give their um, approval, etc. You don't have to, you know, pan them down to a desk. You can get them while they're on their way to what meeting or whatever. Right, so that's the update for LinkedIn. The next one, and this is the second to last one. Lots of updates this week, people. Twitter Lite expands to 21 more countries. Many of us are aware of um, like Facebook Lite, YouTube Lite. It's not called YouTube Lite, but it's essentially YouTube Lite. Um, for people that don't have, you know, the big fancy Samsung phones and their data isn't as strong, um, you know, they are prepaid and they've had a little $50 a month and thing. Um, these apps are, you know, um, data light. Now, they don't use up a lot of data and they have provide options for you to save, bookmark, etc. So, Twitter light is doing the same thing. It's been expanded to 21 more countries. From what I could see in the Caribbean, you're looking at places like Dominican Republic. Now has access to the um, this app. I checked and um, it's not yet available in Trinidad and Tobago. However, you can access it via the internet at mobile.twitter.com. Given that they, they're now in 45 more countries, I'm guessing by the next time they do the next rollout, um, places like the English-speaking Caribbean will be included. Yeah, Twitter? Right? So that's the updates for Twitter. And our last update this week, Pinterest improves their pin recommendations. So as explained on the Pinterest engineering blog, a new process called PinSage uses contextual information to make more accurate recommendations. And according to Pinterest, tests have shown a 30% relative improvement in user engagement with pins recommended by PinSage. So this is an update that's more in the you know, foundational level of the app itself, of the app. Uh, platform itself so it's nothing you particularly have to do you just basically use your pinterest and trust that the recommendations are going to be more accurate now yay so that's all for your updates this week and now for the major news hmm. first one 
Facebook page engagement dropped 50%. Ow! Now, this is according to a report from Buffer and Basuo after analysis of 43 million Facebook business pages. And these were their key findings, and I'm quoting. Um, one, top pages are posting a lot more. Two, overall page engagement is declining. Facebook engagement is down for videos, images, and links. Posting five times per day resulted, resulted in the highest overall engagement. And the top page categories experienced 49 to 70% overall drop in engagement. Now, this is quoted in a Forbes article about this report. Now, the interesting thing is that the number of posts per quarter has risen by about 2 million to a total of 8.1 million over the past year. Now, the flip side to that is that due to the law of diminishing returns, this high number of posts has a negative impact. And I'll quote the Forbes article again, quote, if there's so much more content that customers are bombarded with, there's less chance that they'll engage with a specific piece of content, advertisement, or promotion, unquote. I can vouch for that. I mean, for me going to Facebook now, I have to literally decide before I go on Facebook, what am I going to engage with today? Or at least, what am I going to engage with when I check Facebook right now? Because, yeah, otherwise I will just be scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and maybe throw a like here, throw a like or a happy face somewhere. And as I said before, that then leads to lower engagement because now people, there's so much coming at you. There's no way I can stop and say, okay, let me interact with this particular piece of content, right? Because that requires you to stop, not just scroll, scroll, scroll forever, right? So that's a major factor in the engagement drop. Now, despite these discouraging news, there are still ways to engage with one's audience via Facebook pages. Buffer, one of the sponsors of this report, offered a few helpful suggestions of strategies that you can use. One piece of advice is to adjust your number of posts according to what you want to accomplish. So, if you want to increase overall page engagement, post no more than five times per day so don't blast i mean don't post like one and forget but at the same time don't overdo it right no more than five times a day now if you want to increase page engagement per post you can post every few days right so less than one a day i'm guessing the idea is that you can now when, when people see a post from you, it will stand out by virtue of the fact that it's not coming at them all the time. That's just one piece of advice. There are a lot more suggestions. Um, if you want to take a read, you can access the link in my show notes. Uh, or just search Buffer Report on Facebook Engagement. Yay! <laughs> Alright, so that's Facebook Page Engagement. So what's the other piece of news this week? Well, Instagram was hacked, people. Last week it was hacked. 
However, Instagram, as of the VRSM article that I am referencing, um, as of the date that this article was produced, they did not acknowledge that said hack. Um, what, what resulted was that a lot of users were locked out of their accounts. Now, despite not acknowledging the hack, Instagram did provide advice on ways to secure your account. But of course, first, if you've been hacked, you have to regain access to your locked out account. So this is what you can do. You can either go to the Instagram Help Center, which is help.instagram.com with your username or email and do a search on, I think my account was hacked and follow the instructions to get back. Now, if the hack changed your email and username, then the first thing you can do is check the check for email from Instagram informing you of the change. You know, anytime you change your password, you get an email saying, hey, you changed your password. Uh, did you? Write that email. So you go, if you see that email, there'll be an option to revert this change within the email text. Immediately click on that. Get back your original account. If neither of that works, then go to the app home screen and you can click on get help signing in below the login of that um, home screen. And uh, one of the three will work for you. Now, once you're back in, Instagram recommends the following ways of securing your account. Of course, so many of us will be familiar, but it doesn't hurt to hear it again. One, use a strong password, at least six characters, including numbers, upper lowercase letters, and special symbols like dollar sign, percentage sign, ampersand, you know, symbols like that. Another one, another um, step you can take is to revoke access to suspicious third-party apps, you know, those apps that you connect to, to, to make things easier for you. Um, yeah, if it's suspicious, if it's going to your account, check your settings. If there are any third-party apps that makes you go, huh? Either you can't remember why you connected it or you're wondering why you even bothered to have that connected to your app. Yeah, uh, don't, just get rid of it. Revoke it, you know? Um, activate two-factor authentication. That's the one where, um, when you need to sign in, they have to send a code to your text, and then you, and then you use your text, and you, all of that drama. Um, you should activate it. Yeah. It's, it can be inconvenient, but it's important because it makes life easier for you. As I remember some friend of mine said, you know, uh, security is always at the cost of convenience. So yeah. So take a little inconvenience now so that you won't be one of those people crying and bawling later. Note yourself. And if you've been using your old Instagram password for other platforms, yeah, you should change that one time. Change it immediately. Alright, and yes, I know we all love to use a few passwords so that we could remember. But people, there are things like password vaults. There, there's all these password vaults. There's all these password vault apps that you can use to help you to remember. That will remember your passwords for you, and you can sync it, and you can, you know. So 
make sure to vary up your fast foods. Right? Don't be like some of our wonderful people that put password as password or one, two, three, four as password. Come on. Alright, at in this day and age, get get with it, people. Security is important. So that's the Instagram news story. Next, our birthday fundraisers. Facebook announced that over $300 million was raised via birthday fundraisers in the past year. Now, why did they announce this? Well, last week they celebrated their first anniversary, their first year anniversary, since the rollout of their birthday fundraisers. As then more than $300 million were raised. Some of the top beneficiaries were St. Jude's, Alzheimer's Association, and the ASPCA. Uh, fees have also been waived since November 2017. So 100% of all donations made went to the intended nonprofits. So for those of us that haven't picked it up yet, it's not for you. It's for a non-profit. It's for a charity. So essentially, it's my birthday and I go on Facebook and I say, guys, for my birthday, I would like you to make a donation to said charity. Right? It's something that a lot of celebrities, etc., um, aka rich people, have done. <laughs> um, and it's basically made, it's made a lot of money for people. Well, for these charities. So it's a really good, um, um, what do you call that? It's a really good effort. It's a really good strategy. Um, now in light of, you know, Facebook always updating, always moving forward. And with the year anniversary having been celebrated, they also announced further upgrades to the service. And I'm quoting from Facebook newsroom. Quote. Based on feedback from the community, we added new tools to non-profit fundraisers, like the ability to match donations and add organizers to your fundraiser. Pages, including those run by brands, public figures, and non-profits themselves, can now create and to donate to fundraisers. And we added a tool so people can make recurring monthly donations to the organizations and causes that are important to them. Unquote. They also provided new tools to help people select the nonprofit they wish to raise funds for. And I'm quoting the new Facebook newsroom again. Quote, with over 750,000 nonprofits on Facebook, it can be difficult to choose. To make this easier, we will soon provide more information. When you click on a nonprofit in the list, you can learn more about the organization, their mission, location, and how many people like their page. Unquote. So, good job, Facebook. Um, those of you that have birthdays coming up, Okay, make take advantage of it. Brands, this is a great way as well to um, raise some money for various charities, etc. I don't know how many local charities are on Facebook at this point, but this would be something that um, our local and regional nonprofits can take advantage of. Yeah. Now, next news item: Facebook's create to convert framework for ads 
right? As usual, um, we need some of us, we need to make ads. You're a small business. Um, some of the best ways to get exposure on Facebook is you gotta pay for it. And one of the best ways to use that money is to create ads. Now, there are options. You can have a nice still ad, which is essentially an image and some text, a little CTA, call to action. Or you can have video. And those of us that have been following social media um, regularly know that video always works better than still images. But of course, creating videos is not as straightforward, it's not as easy, it's not as cheap. So uh, Facebook Creative Shop, they have created this framework called a Create to Convert framework that helps users to turn still images into video ads. So you don't have to start with a video. You can take that, that same still image and make it into a video ad. Now, according to Facebook, it is, quote, an easy framework to add lightweight motion to still images, unquote. Now, as outlined in the VRSM article, there are four main ways you can convert a still image into a video ad, as described by Facebook. One is basic motion. That's when you animate still images by adding one or two elements of motion to it. This leads to a video of just a few seconds long. Of course, you add your CTA, you add your call to action card to drive your business outcome. Okay, you're not just putting a video just for fun. All right. And a second way you can do this is called brand in motion. This is where you animate elements of your brand or logo, quote, bringing it to life in just a few seconds. This would, of course, help with promotion of brand recognition. The third way is called benefit in motion. This is where you animate the, quote, key benefit or message of your ad with a simple short animation. The fourth one is demo in motion. You create a short demonstration of how your, quote, app, website, service, product, or feature works. And, of course, you add your CTA at the end. Now, this is the one that you would probably use to promote a certain product or something that, you know, show how it works. Those are your four main um, ways in which you can convert to video. Now, according to Facebook, 49 studies with brands using this framework produced positive results with 69% of the brands. Quote, using both still ads and video ads, saw a 17% higher rate of conversions compared to brands using only still ads. And now we come to Snapchat. Snapchat has been under some pressure because, you know, um, of reports of the drop in users. Um, but they are fighting back. And one of the ways that they're fighting back is to expand beyond North America as well as focus on the kind of user they have. So one of the things they're saying is that, yes, we, the number of users may have dropped, but the kinds of users we have are very engaged. They come on the platform very regularly per day. So that's something that advertisers, marketers, um, businesses can take into account when they think of selling ads on their platform. One of the ways they're trying to 
bring forth that concept to, to, to businesses is to use a term called addressable reach. And this is explained by, by Snapchat thus in their blog. Quote, as an advertiser, the frequency with which Snapchatters use our app means that there are more opportunities for you to reach them. And perhaps that's why Snapchat's addressable reach, that the number of Snapchatters who can be reached with Snapchat ads in a month, is meaningful in multiple regions spanning across Europe, Middle East, and Latin America. Unquote. So you can see here, they're shifting their focus outside of North America to say, hey, but look at all the people we have in other parts of the world and the kinds of users we have in other parts of the world. Now, according to the report, from what I could have seen, the addressable reach in Latin America is about 13 million. It was not clearly stated whether the Caribbean was included in that number. But that's still a decent number. It could also mean that there could be a greater focus in areas like Latin America and the Caribbean for platforms like Snapchat. And those of you that listened to my interview with Shahad, you know that especially amongst the young people, Snapchat is very popular. All right, Snapchat and Instagram. So we can see a shift of focus in our direction from platforms like this. That's it for Snapchat. Let's move on to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is refocusing on groups. TechCrunch reported that LinkedIn is on the verge of relaunching LinkedIn groups. Now, these were, it's, it's like Facebook groups, but in LinkedIn, it's more of a business, you know, style vibe. But like Facebook and other platforms, um, there were complaints of it devolving to the same lower levels of human interactivity. And, uh, well, that's what the complaint is. From my personal experience of LinkedIn, and LinkedIn groups, at least in the areas that I would check in on, it became a space where people just plied their ways, promoted themselves, sent tons of emails to people, you name it. A lot of annoying, pushy behavior. Um, so a lot of people shifted away from groups. Um, but although personally, LinkedIn started with that. I remember the days when, you know, the advice to you about LinkedIn was, don't worry with the news feed. Focus on the groups. That's where you can connect with people and interact and so on. The news feed wasn't a big thing. And then over time, the LinkedIn news feed became really important. And then you had video. And now LinkedIn has decided to try to bring groups back in, back on stream and get it as active, as interactive, as effective as the other aspects of their platform. Now, as part of this relaunch, the platform will be removing support for their standalone groups app. It will instead be reintegrated into the main app. So no more LinkedIn groups, you know, download on your phone, etc. Other updates include highlights of group conversations as well as group activity placed within the main feed of members. That to me is perfect because I remember from using LinkedIn. Yeah, that was one of my peeves. You know, why does I have to leave the newsfeed, you know, go into groups, find the button to go into groups, and then choose the group I want to connect with, and then, and now I can check and read and see what's available. Because on Facebook, you can do that from your newsfeed, right? So 
you know, to go from that to then go in LinkedIn, I had to go through this long rigmarole. It was a little frustrating. So I was really happy to see that update. Another update is the retirement of the group email blast. Yes, that was part of the annoying behavior that we, you know, that we experienced. A lot of these people that just come in the group to promote themselves and they put on a car salesman version of marketing. Sorry, used car salesman version of marketing and they basically want to harass you into submission. I am so happy that that part has been removed. Okay. And also, another update is a new capacity for group admins to pin important items to the top of the group's individual feed. So, I'm guessing announcements, any particular conversations that really stood out, things like that can be pinned to the top by the group admins now. So, that's a really wonderful update. And we, I'm really liking the kinds of updates that LinkedIn has been rolling out lately. To me, it demonstrates a, 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 a platform that's really paying attention to their users and listening to them. Because a lot of these updates tie so closely into things that people have been complaining about or bringing to LinkedIn attention for a while now. So I'm very happy to see that LinkedIn has been taking that approach to their face. Yes, A plus to you, LinkedIn. And YouTube, new revenue generation tools. Well, I noticed it. There was one video I was watching and there was this thing uh, where you had a, a, a little icon showing like $50 or $5 and the chat, it was a live stream and there was a chat on the side. People that paid their comments would be read out during the stream. And um, it was interesting. I, I, I kind of liked it. Although, as with everything, that can go horribly wrong. <laughs> But it was an interesting approach. And then I learned that that's what they call super chats. So if I make a specific monetary donation, my my comment can be read out for people in the in the live stream by the host of the live stream. Um, now, this is just one of the new ways YouTube is providing to make money and to, for, for YouTubers to make money. Another one is um, paid memberships. Another one is, is providing uh, the option for selling your merchandise. So there's a section that you can be below your video that promotes your whatever connected merchandise that you have. Um, so in light of all of that, they're, all, they're, trying to get, they're trying to get more YouTubers to make use of it. And they're trying to get more creators, creatives to be aware of these options. How are they trying to get more people to be aware? Well, top YouTubers are now being offered financial incentives to try out these new tools. It's been rolled out in response to complaints from their members that not enough revenue generation options were being offered. And that led to many top creators switching to other platforms. I'll quote the Social Media Today article that talks about this. Quote, this new push would ideally see more platform creators showcasing just how beneficial YouTube's new revenue streams can be, helping to convince others to try them out and subsequently stay with the platform, unquote. So that's essentially the goal behind it. So YouTube rolls out some new tools, some new ways for you to make money and are trying to get more 
creators, more YouTubers to find out about it and they can then make use of it because that was the complaint. Y'all are not giving us new ways for us to make money on this platform. So peace, I'm gone. Right, so this is their way of trying to pull people back and get those that are already there to stay. Right, and that's it for YouTube. The next story and last one for this week, I tell you, it's been a heavy week, has to do with Twitter. Twitter has restricted access to third-party apps. Now, you know, Twitter has been going through a major overhaul. They're getting rid of um, bots. They're getting rid of, you know, badly behaving Twitter users. They're clamping down on trolls. And they're making major changes to their code. Also, what, piece, what other more tech-savvy people will call their API. And one of the major casualties will be third-party apps, such as TweetBot. Right? Apps like these will be able to function still, but in a more restricted way. And of course, with restricted use, you're going to have a loss of users. Because if I'm accustomed to using the app in a certain way, and now I can't get that same service, then I'm gone, right? And it seems a little cruel. But what's happening is that Twitter is trying to shift users to their own apps like Periscope and TweetDeck. So they are now creating their circle. They are circling the wagons, as they would say, to ensure that all the back and forth to and from Twitter is within their control and it's within their purview, right? So changing the API and restricting access to these other apps is a major step in that direction. From a business sense, I get it. From the perspective of the apps that are now going to have to, a lot of them will probably end up having to close up shop. It doesn't seem very nice. But given the given all that Twitter has been going through and the major shifts they're trying to make, I can understand where they're coming from. So, yeah, if you're using apps like TweetBot, sorry. <laughs> all right, time to make the shift. TweetDeck, Periscope, you name it. Even the analytics tools are being restricted. So you're going to have to be doing analytics using Twitter-owned um, apps. But as um, this given the market, somebody will figure out a way around it, as usual. All right, so that's it for the news this week. So what's up for next week? Well, the theme of discussion next week is the non-traditional uses of WhatsApp. As of recording this week's episode, locally, the new Commissioner of Police um, offered a number that people can text on WhatsApp to connect with him personally or to provide him information, make queries, ask questions, etc. And in light of that news, given that I definitely will be talking about this next episode, might as well create a whole theme around it because there are so many innovative ways in which WhatsApp is being used, both in business, nonprofit, medical, you name it. So that's what's up for next week. Alright, now, so that's it for this week. Alright, thank you so much for listening in. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you learned a lot. I would love to hear more about how some of you make use of this news. Feel free if you're on anchor.fm, send me a voicemail via anchor.fm. Let me know how this news has helped you. Or not, uh, whatever. Or your, uh, your opinion, your thoughts, your responses to these um, news pieces and updates. 
So that's it for this week. Have a great rest of week, people. Take care. Bye. Music was Back to Summer by Nexlo on SoundCloud.